Welcome to Love Your Reports. I'm Paul Felix, your host, and this is episode 18. So today I want to talk about insurance reporting. I'm actually in New Orleans, and I'll be here for the next few days at the WSIA InsurTech conference. So I thought, why not? Let's just talk all insurance all day today. And the way I'm going to do this, I'm just going to kind of go over an unordered list. So this is just a brain dump, basically, of the types of reporting that I've seen be very useful to our insurance clients. So here we go. In no particular order, I'm going to start off with exception reporting. So this can be pretty much anything that can help your business identify out-of-range or unexpected scenarios. You might have data entry errors, for example, in your policy administration system. Some field that might be really important to be populated, like, I don't know, state, for example, is often important in certain regulatory situations. You can create exception reports that call out those missing data elements to make sure that someone is alerted to that situation and takes care of it. Out-of-range scenarios. You might have some type of an exception report that shows you when you have certain rate change situations going on that are unexpected. Maybe if the rate changes from A to B and the difference between those rates is too much or an unexpectedly large amount or maybe even a small amount, you could always create an exception report to call out those outlier situations. Insured obligation tracking. You know, there's certain situations where the insureds are responsible for doing certain things. Like one thing that comes to mind is in the trucking industry, the insured has to report any new vehicles that are added to the fleet, which is insured. And if they're not doing this, then I think it varies from state to state, but I'm not positive about that actually. The carrier is actually still responsible for those vehicles, even if they're not reported. So it's important that the insurers are actually reporting the vehicles. So you might have an exception report that identifies vehicles that were inspected by the DOT, but yet aren't on the policy as a list of scheduled vehicles. There's all kinds of ways you can create exception reports to help you understand outliers, basically. Things that are out of range, things that are unexpected, and things that should be happening that aren't happening in general. You then have actuarial reporting. This can be quite a lot of different data elements here involved in actuarial reports. One of them that's pretty common is a loss triangle. Loss triangles are basically if you look at on your y-axis, if you can envision a little matrix and the y-axis represents an accident year and the x-axis represents time periods or age, let's say, from that accident year. So for example, if you got an accident year of the year 2000, and you can say, well, in the first year following that accident year, we have X amount of losses. Maybe it's $50,000. And then as of the second year, we have $60,000 total losses. And as the third year, we got $65,000 in total losses, whatever it is. So you can see basically in a loss triangle how your losses mature over time. And that's very useful for a lot of reasons, probably more than I can actually get into, but for things like making sure you've got adequate rates out there to cover your expected loss ratios. And by expected loss ratios, I mean expected loss ratios over the entire maturity of all claims for a given accident year. So loss triangles are very important to actuarial processes, and so are loss ratios, of course. But before you can get to a loss ratio, you've got to know your losses, just like we described in the loss triangles. But for loss ratios, you're actually comparing your losses to your earned premiums. 
So your earned premium is if you take a premium, let's just say you get a $1,200 premium that covers a one-year period and the policy is at year one, well, then one of those 12 months is complete. You've earned one-twelfth of the premium. So you've got $100 in earned premium. And then as of month two, you got $200 and $300 and so on until you earn out that entire premium for the policy. So if you take all of your policies and cumulatively add up your earned premium, that's money that a carrier has actually earned, and you compare that to how much losses you have on those policies, with the losses being the numerator, you then come up with a ratio between your losses and your earned premium. And those ratios vary quite a bit from program to program, as well as from line to line. But when you have that number and you're monitoring it, you can really see through time if you're improving or getting worse in your loss ratios, which is a key metric for pretty much any carrier to be tracking. And when I say carrier, really, I mean anybody in the insurance industry. If you're a carrier, great. You know, you're responsible for the risk. It's super important that you understand the loss ratio. But also if you're an MGA, if you're an MGA, it's important that you understand it because you're working on behalf of that carrier or an MGU even, it's important. And frankly, if you're a producer or a broker, it doesn't really matter. We're all trying to keep the losses as low as possible so that we can have a profitable business. Along those same lines, you also have things like exposure change. You know, if the exposure changes from one policy year to the next, what's the ramifications of that exposure change? Is the rate adequate to cover that change in exposure? So that's another way of providing data to actuarials, actuarial inputs. Another subject area we can assist with is in the marketing side of things. One of the common metrics I've seen used quite a bit is the hit ratio, which is basically out of all the applications you've received and quoted, how many of them actually get bound? So if you're receiving 100 applications and you're quoting all 100 of them and only 50 of them are getting bound, well, you got a 50% hit ratio. And there's different ways of looking at that particular ratio, but overall, it's just saying of all of the opportunities to write a policy that we see, how many of those actually turn into a bound policy? And what's that ratio? Another area for marketing that might be useful is the insured analysis as a whole. You know, as a marketing arm of the company here, we actually want to try to market to the insureds that we want to write policies for. So what are those insureds? Which insureds result in the lowest loss ratios? It's quite important that the marketing is focused on the right target. And that will, of course, drive all the downstream processes, which end up with bound policies that hopefully have profitable outcomes. Another area for marketing is kind of a geographical analysis. You might look at your current book of business and say, well, if you're talking about a state particular view of things, and if you're, well, I'm in Louisiana, if you're in Louisiana, at least today I'm in Louisiana, right, for InsureTech. <laughs> Actually, I live in Austin. So, But in any case, if you're looking at Louisiana and you're insuring Louisiana and you find that you have an overweighted portion of your book that is residing in New Orleans, then maybe you don't want to write as many policies in New Orleans, You know, especially if you're talking about property coverage. And maybe you see that in the north side of Louisiana, you've got very little exposure up there. So understanding geographically where your exposure is can be important, especially for certain lines like auto and property. So again, geographical analysis can be helpful for marketing purposes. Now, you also have kind of what I would call your meat and potatoes type reporting, where you're looking at premium trends, for example, 
what does your premiums look like? Written premium, gross written premiums, earned premiums. What does that amount look like when you chart it on any basis, such as your policy effective dates? Maybe you're looking at total premium by policy effective, or maybe you're looking at premium by any other metric. You can look at transaction effective dates, so you can take into consideration endorsements and that sort of thing. In any case, the meat and potatoes of insurance reporting is the actual premium, of course, because that's the revenue side of things. And we have to have a good understanding of what our revenue trends look like. On the other side of things is the claims. You also need to have a good understanding of your claims. Now, claims does kind of create an interesting complication, I guess, for insurance, because you have all sorts of ways of measuring claims. When a claim comes in, it's initially not going to have anything paid out on it, but something is going to be reserved in anticipation of an obligation to pay something out in the future. So you have these categories of claims. Some are reserved, some are actual paid amounts, some are recoveries, and so on, that all add up to get to a number that we call our total incurred. So understanding claims, those different components of the claims measure, across the maturity of a claim, which we often will call the valuation date. So you have a claim, again, very similar to loss triangles, that you will have a certain valuation date on month one, and then a certain valuation amount on month two, and so on. And those same exact claims will have different amounts as time moves forward. So what I'm trying to say here is that claims and the understanding of the incurred losses for claims is quite important to understand, not only because it contributes to the loss ratio, but at the end of the day, claims are the main expense side of an insurance business in most cases. We talked about loss ratios. We talked about loss triangles. Those, again, I think you could pretty much consider meat and potatoes of insurance reporting. But loss triangles, you know, you don't really have a lot of information when it comes to a loss triangle. If you're a new business, which we've seen that happen at least a couple of times, So you may actually have to have a loss triangle that's based on industry benchmark type data. So you actually can use that as your reference data until you have enough history in your business to create a valuable loss triangle. Okay, so changing topics here a little bit. Another area of reporting that we get into for our insurance clients is basically feeds for partners. And this really could be a lot of different things. It could be borderos that an MGA might report back to their carriers It could be coverage verification that a carrier is providing to a claims third-party administrator or an MGA reporting to a TPA. It could be pretty much anything where you have a partner that needs a data feed that we're going to provide to them, either in the form of an interactive report or in the form of some type of standard schema, like a CSV or a fixed width file or any type of standardized input that the partner can then consume and use that information for whatever purpose it was intended. So partner feeds can really be a huge value add, especially if you consider doing them manually where you're trying to pull data out of your various data sources and cobble it together and try to create a feed. And often you're having to do this every, you know, if you're lucky, it's every quarter, but often it's every week, if not every day. So it's important that these carrier feeds are actually automated and that can be a really big value add. While we're talking about feeds, let's talk about regulatory feeds you know, certain lines have pretty serious requirements to report to the regulatory agencies. Workers' comp, I know, is one of them. Auto-type policies also has certain regulatory filing requirements. 
And when you're doing these filings, if you're going to do them yourself, it is critical that those filings are actually accurate and timely. Otherwise, obviously, there's going to be some pretty severe fines involved in this. So automating those processes, making sure that they're accurate and timely is something that we do get into as well. Another area of reporting that's important is goal tracking. And this really depends on your perspective of things, you know, what your particular role is in the whole insurance industry. But if you think about a carrier, a carrier is probably interested in understanding the size of the book of business, how much premium is actually out there in a particular book. And you want to track against goals. If you have a goal to actually grow your book by 20% by the end of the year, and you're going to do that through whatever organic policy sales, as well as acquisitions of other companies, well, let's see if we're actually making it to that goal. There's all kinds of ways to slice and dice goals. Another example would be program-specific goals. If you have a program that maybe is underperforming for whatever reason, and you're trying to correct that problem, I don't know what exactly what the problem would be, but let's just say it's high losses. Well, it might be important that we track the loss ratios for that program very closely and compare them against the goal so that we can actually see, you know, are we actually improving here or is it getting worse? Is this just simply a line that we want to get out of because the losses are too high? So tracking against goals can be really important, especially for the executive and managerial team to kind of keep their fingers on the pulse of what's going on. Another area that's a bit technical, but also important is reconciliation automation. I'm actually working on this for one of our clients right now. So that's what made it top of mind for this podcast. But the idea here is there's often cases where we're using multiple data sources that have the same information in them. You might have one policy administration system where policies are actually being entered originally. And you might have another system that's doing the billing. You know, there's all kinds of scenarios like this. But in these cases where you have duplicate entry, for whatever reason, it's important that those systems are in sync and things happen. Humans make mistakes when they're typing things. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen. So creating a reconciliation process that is at least automated to the point where a human can then do the final steps, meaning we can align these data elements and figure out what's already synchronized properly, where we have matches, and then call out those things that don't match. So that then as a human being, we can look at those items and figure out, well, is there a data anomaly here? Is there a failure of the process here of some kind? What's the issue? Why are we not reconciling? And then we can address that issue. So reconciliation automation can be a really big time saver. Another area that's kind of interesting is program manager scorecards. So if you have a number of programs, or even if you have one program, you're going to want to have some type of a scorecard to help that manager understand how things are going. You know, is it being successful or is it not being successful? Are we on track here? And that scorecard might have a lot of the same things we already talked about, such as, you know, hit ratios and rate change and premium trends and loss ratios. But the idea here is you compile a lot of that information, focusing on a particular person's role or a particular group's role, in this case, a program manager, and give them a high level view of things. In addition to that high-level view, you should be able to drill into the various aspects of that scorecard and understand the components that make up those key performance indicators. So again, if we're talking about hit ratios, great. If my hit ratio here is 50%, 
let me drill into that so I can actually see the applications that we bound and show me also the ones that we did not bind so that we understand, you know, are we being too stringent on the selection of our applications that we bind or vice versa? You can make those decisions with that information. Another area that's really big here is simply the elimination of manual data manipulation. You know, whenever you're business gets to a certain size and you've got these various data feeds going on, whatever it might be. Again, if you're an MGA and you're reporting back to a carrier, you're reporting to regulatory, you're reporting to partners. Once you have this stuff going on, you're quickly going to get to a unsustainable, let's say, situation if you're doing these things manually every single time. Not only will it be very expensive to have your cost grow linearly as your additional data feeds and reporting requirements increase, but the process is going to be very slow. It is going to be error prone. It is not going to be sustainable, as I mentioned. And frankly, there's not a lot of people in the world that want to do this work that is just completely repetitive day after day, cobbling data together, trying to make it accurate. Basically, you're in Excel and whatever other tools you can cobble together so that you get this data in the shape that needs to be in. Eliminating these manual processes, it's not real exciting, but it's often a very big part of what we do. And it's not uh, trivial either. You know, a lot of times these manual processes require a considerable amount of human input. Some things are not able to be automated, but it's very rare that nothing can be automated. Often there's a big chunk of something that can be automated before it gets to the need for a human to actually evaluate it. All that upfront work, like we talked about with the reconciliation automation, and a lot of the upfront work can be done right away. Let someone that actually has to do the final mismatch analysis have that information at their fingertips instead of having to go pull it all together manually. A lot of the other stuff can be completely automated, like regulatory reporting, right? Or the creation of border rows, or definitely the meat and potatoes types of things like premium trends and earned premium through time and that sort of thing. A lot of that can just be completely automated. However, it is important that we create some type of checks and balance here because whenever you do not have some individual involved in a process and you've automated something, then it's even more important that you have some way of auditing your own automation through either regression testing or some types of ongoing checks that are in place to make sure the automation stays in sync. And finally, I want to talk about the types of data that we often consume. You know, when we talk about all of these reporting requirements and data feeds and automation of manual processes and, you know, exception reporting and all of these things, it all relies on certain data sources being available. And the types of data sources that we most commonly work with when it comes to insurance reporting, building insurance reportopias, if you will, is number one, policy administration systems. This, of course, is where the policies are originating. This is where, you know, oftentimes rating is done within these systems and the modifiers are used to create the coverages and the core uh, root level premiums. And all the characteristics of those policies are stored in these systems. So the policy admin system is often super important in what we do. Not always, right? It doesn't have to be the policy admin system that we're working with. But most of the time, it is the policy admin system that's kind of the center of this data source universe. Now, from there, it really varies quite a bit. You know, if you're doing your claims processing within your policy administration system, well, that's probably where we're getting your claims from. But if you're not, if you're using a third party to do your claims administration, well, then they're likely sending you a feed of some kind. So now we're going to pick up a feed. Could be a flat file, 
could be an Excel file. It could be a connection directly into their data source. But there's another category of feeds there when it comes to loss runs. We talked about goals. You know, often goals are, when we start out, frankly, they're in someone's head. They might be written down in Excel. They might be in various places. But goals are also something that we need to consume so we can actually determine if we're tracking against these goals. The types of data source that that actually comes from, you know, it really depends on each company. Like I said, it could be just simply an Excel file, or it could be something very sophisticated, like a reference data management system. Other types of feeds are standard feeds. The one that comes to mind right now is the WC Pause, Workers' Comp Pause standard. We do pick those types of feeds up as well. There's all sorts of standards out there, of course, but the standards when it comes to partners really help us because when you have a standard in place, well, now we don't have to come up with some spec that defines exactly what we're going to be providing our partners or what they're providing us. So these partner feeds, especially the standardized versions, are also a different type of data source that we often get into. And then you have public data. We talked a minute ago about the need to keep track of insured's obligations, such as reporting trucks that are added to a fleet in the case of commercial auto. In that case, you've got DOT data out there that's being aggregated to show inspection information. So that type of information is also important to have available to you. And it's not just auto. There's all sorts of public information that can be useful all the way down to the physical environment, especially if you're talking about property. Maybe you're insuring property in an inclement weather zone. Well, Something as simple as weather information could be really important in understanding the risk associated with a particular exposure. Okay, this has been just kind of a brain dump of various types of reporting that we've gotten into for our insurance clients. And frankly, nearly every client we start working with, we learn something from. There's just so many ways of looking at this. And ultimately, what we try to do here at Leafrog BI is help our clients build their reportopia. And, you know, when we talk about Reportopia, you'll often hear me say it's about capturing value. It's about delivering reporting so that it actually improves a particular business process. It's about assisting business owners, process managers operate more effectively, efficiently. All of those things are true. But at the end of the day, you know, what we're all trying to do is build a successful business. And we have to have the information required to actually make decent decisions in order to have any chance of success. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. If you believe that the cumulative decision-making ability of everyone in your organization is going to determine your organization's success, you know, if you believe that, right, if you believe all of our decisions and the actions that follow that are going to determine our success, I mean, that's pretty much just saying, you know, the things that we do are what's going to determine if we're successful or not. I guess the only alternative to that is saying that, you know, we're all just have no control of our destiny, basically. Everything is kind of predefined. If you're thinking along that way, like you have no control over things, then yeah, maybe this is not for you. But most of us are trying to find a way to understand the environment that we're operating in. And we're trying to improve the decisions that we're making and ultimately the actions that we're taking so that we can be competitive, so we can grow our business, so we can deliver a better product to our customers. That's really what this whole Reportopia thing is about. Regardless if we're talking about insurance or healthcare or any other industry, it's really just about that. It's about growing the business, delivering something that a customer actually wants, something that someone values. 
Okay, so I'm going to leave it there this week. If you're going to be out at the InsureTech conference in New Orleans, please do look me up. You'll find us out at booth 12. Just stop by, say hello. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have any comments for me, feel free to reach out. My email address is paul at loveyourreports.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Paul B. Felix is my handle there. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you again next Tuesday. Oh, 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 oh,